Greetings, Game Cola faithful, and welcome to the Game Cola podcast. This is podcast number sixty-five. With me today are Michael Gray and Catherine J. Everyone, introduce yourselves. Uh, which order? I said Michael Gray first. So. Oh, okay. Alphabetical. So, um, the K comes before M alphabetically. Uh, well, but the G I think comes before the J. I'm just doing it by what Skype shows me. So. <laughs> okay. Skype likes. Well, in that case, yeah. aren't you like last because you've got the last name which comes last. Do I? Well, I'm not on mine. Like, I don't see myself on the thing. I see you with your uh, Pinkie Pie with the braces smile, and then I see Kate J with her fancy hat. This is how we start off podcasts, by the way. We talk about things that the viewers can't possibly <laughs> see. It's, it's brilliant. Quality. Hello, everybody. My name is Michael Gray. I write inside the guide for Game Cola occasionally, and I do a lot of videos for the Game Cola YouTube channel. Hi everyone, this is Kate. I um, wrote and illustrated some of the previous episodes of The Gates of Life, and I do the odd art job when asked. Yes, you recently did the art for uh, the Made RPG contest. I did. Mm -hmm. Is that going to be up by the time the podcast is posted? Uh, yeah, it's going out on Friday. So. Okay, Great. cool. Which, by the time that people are listening to this, will be... Uh, in the past. Well, there will like made RPG part five with the picture of uh, Christina Porter be up by then. Maybe. Uh, did you did you put it in the queue? I mean, I don't think so. Yeah, wait, that depends on me actually <laughs> editing that. <laughs> I edited like the first thirty seconds, and to be honest, that's just the opening music and um, fifteen seconds of stuff from. Uh, at the very end of the previous podcast, just to set the scene. Everything's on fire, right? Mm-hmm. Excellent. No, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. They they got transported out of the Wild Wild West, and now they're on the plane where they're going to fight Gygus. Okay. But, uh, Kate, have you ever played Earthbound? Oh, it's in my queue of things to play, but I never got around to it. So Me neither. They're uh, re-releasing it, though, right? <laughs> What about you, Jetty? Actually, yeah, uh, I played it back in the day, and uh, I recently watched Paul's Let's Play on the Game Cola YouTube channel, GC.net. The reason I'm asking is because um, Part 5 of Made RPG is supposed to take place um, at the end of Earthbound, where you fight Gygus, and I completely forgot how the end of the game was like, because I've never played it. <laughs> and so, in Made RPG, you the... Uh, Maids are arguing me, with me about what should actually be there on the scene. And I'm like, guys, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's just a boring, empty plane and then a cave, and that's what they go to. You get turned into robots. It's pretty cool. Oh, is that what happens? I mean, that happens before you go fight them, but I don't remember if that... I, I, I watched this like a week ago, and I still don't... <laughs> I can go to GC.net Game Cola YouTube channel and... Uh, Rewatch it right now. Yeah, don't don't they have like the ending like they had in Paper Mario GameCube where you get to see every single person you've ever met over the course of the 50-hour RPG say that you're awesome? Yeah, like the his Let's Play has the final battle split into like three videos, I think, because of that. <laughs> no, but this is actually relevant. Wow, I'm I'm amazing at how relevant I am here. But um, do we call you Catherine or Kate? You can call me whatever, Catherine, Kate, or Rin. I will respond to anything. So. Okay, so Katerin, <laughs> what we 
<laughs> what we're talking about here, uh, I mentioned Earthbound, which is an RPG, and didn't you mention like a different SNES RPG on Facebook? Uh, you mean Chrono? Yeah, Chrono. Chrono, uh, Chrono, uh, whatever. So yeah. is that an SNES RPG? Because I've never had it an is. SNES, so I've oh, only it's so heard good. about these games. I played like the remake for the the DS. I played the first hour. I'm like, eh, it's okay. Yeah, that was actually the game that got me back into gaming back in high school, where somebody said, you must play either this or Final Fantasy 3 slash 6. So I played them both simultaneously, <laughs> and uh, they were fabulous. Chrono is probably better, but um, <laughs> I could tell that the, the Dragon Ball Z guy was working on Chrono. Because yeah, it's sort of the same, same plot of uh, Season 4 of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, he sort of suffers from same face syndrome as well, mm-hmm. art-wise. So, yeah, that was uh... something I was worried about when I was a cartoonist. So what I did was I literally stole faces from other cartoons. <laughs> That's a good so, tactic, though. Um, actually, I think we have like three of those cartoons up on Game Cola, which makes it relevant. So, um. Pug's faces from Edgar Martin, who drew Boots and her buddies in the 40s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. And the other two characters' faces are um, really bad adaptations of little Abner faces. (laughs) Well, apparently that was something that the cartoonist did when he got older and he stopped drawing the cartoon. He always drew the hands and the faces of the characters, and he just let his assistants draw everything else. <laughs> you know, that sounds like a pretty sweet gig, so... Wow. Why the hands? He apparently loved drawing hands. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I Actually, that's in my sketchbook. One of the uh, I did a detailed copy of one of the hands that he drew, because he, t- he was really good at drawing hands. Huh. He made a good uh, character study. Do you still call it a character study when you're not actually drawing, like, a character? You're just drawing a hand? Uh, maybe assets or character breakdown. We're as- I'm asking you because you you apparently know all this stuff about artwork, and I, like, was fired as a cartoonist in 2007 and haven't drawn since. I, I don't know what you'd call a hand. Maybe just, like, a reference sheet? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's okay. Nobody draws actual cartoons anymore, so we're good. So should we talk about video games? Sure. Uh, I thought this was the the uh, cartoon. you know cartoon this is podcast. Cartoon cola. Cartoon cola podcast. This is cartoon cola. We're talking about um, new seasons of all of our favorite shows. <laughs> you could talk about games related to cartoons. Uh, like Mega Man. Which came first, <laughs> the game or the cartoon? I'm pretty sure the game, but uh, yeah. I was actually uh. Oh, doesn't he look like... That's my problem with Mega Man, is the title, Mega Man, and he looks sort of like a small child. He's a robot. He's supposed to be sort of androgynous. Well, in the box art, he looks like a man, but like in the <laughs> actual of. games... Yeah. Well, are we talking about the original uh, box art? Yeah, he's less man. <laughs> well, why wouldn't you talk about the original box art? That's what Mega Man really looks like, yeah, right? Well, he's definitely got a lot of yellow in his costume, and he's holding a gun... Flying around on some sort of platform. Well, which came first, the box art or the game? I thought they just made the box art and then they made up a game to go along. Yeah, I'm with pretty it. sure that's what happens. And then nobody told, that's, nobody yeah. told uh, the guy who made the game what the box art looked like. 
No, they probably commissioned it from someone, you know, overseas. And they're like, yeah, we're doing this robot thing. They're like, obviously. Yeah, it's going to hold a gun. Let me watch hours of Transformers and throw in some bling. You know, they recently recently released the box art for the upcoming Nancy Drew video game, Nancy Drew the Silent Spy, and I like it. But, yeah, they commissioned somebody to do their box art rather than one of, like, the three artists they have on staff. Mm-hmm. Why well, is that the case, Catherine? Because you know about art. It's like, we hire somebody to make art. Why are we hiring somebody else to make art? Well, it I depends mean, on... only comes in for that one job and then sleeps the rest of the year. <laughs> well, it's it's a lot cheaper to just order a piece of art than to keep somebody on salary, which is a lot of, one of the reasons why most artists are freelance for gaming. Um they get their start that way, so they can build up their portfolio and everything. And then when they're fired, they're hired full on. You know, they can jump into fun things like texture mapping or modeling or things like that. So they leave the more illustrative stuff, in my experience, to the commission base. I guess. Mm-hmm. I think what they do with the Nancy Drew Company is like they have the three people on staff who are artists. Um, they all draw a mock-up picture of what the cover could look like, and they mm-hmm. use that as the model that the commissioned person is going to use. Yeah, because I mean, then they just have to pay a flat rate, you know, as opposed to paying a salary, which is just mm-hmm. a little bit cheaper. So, but I mean, it's a little bit better that way that the the people who are on staff are the people who originally start the artwork because that way the mm-hmm. characters sometimes look like they look like in the game. Sometimes. Not always, which is sort of what makes me disappointed with the uh, box art for the newly released Nancy Drew game because it's like, I'm not sure if this character is actually going to look like that in the actual game itself. Well, you know, box art is used to sell the game anyway, so... If it's it looks pretty, people will buy it, and then they're just the finicky. That people. actually used to be like a huge selling point back in the NES. I remember like looking at the box art and being like, "Oh man, this game is gonna be awesome!" And then you like yeah. turn it on, and it's like there's nothing like with the box art. Left the box. <laughs> Are you That's... saying that like the original? I don't know. I want to say like. Dragon Warrior <laughs> was not as epic as the art box. Actually, that's pretty good because, like, the, uh, I was actually like recently having this discussion with a friend, and Dragon Warrior was one of the ones that we were looking at. That and uh, Crystalis. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, Crystally. Is it French? That's how I pronounce it according to my regional dialect. Yes. Or Crystalis according to Nathaniel Hoover. And no one else, by the <laughs> way, Nathaniel. Actually, a lot of people apparently. No, Crystallis, the guy who wrote um, Made RPG, or I mean, translated it, also uses that pronunciation. What do you think, Kate? <laughs> I never played it, <laughs> so <laughs> I am uh, unmotivated by past emotions. So I've never played it either, but it's clearly no. crystalline. I don't know. I'd have to see it in Romanji or. Um, but it wasn't like okay. I looked. I looked that up myself, and it's actually called yeah. God Slayer in Japanese. Well, then there you go. That's how you pronounce it. Right? It's God Slayer. <laughs> it's like, um, have you guys ever played Do Prism, aka Threads of Fate or Threads of Time? I can't remember what it was. It was like Do Prism in J- uh, Japan, and then it came over here, and it was Threads of something. I just can't remember. It was a PS1 game. I haven't. I know that, like, I've heard of those games. I just don't know anything. Yeah. 
No, it's just, it's always interesting to see what it was in Japan and then what it magically becomes over here. Yeah, definitely. Or, uh, speaking of Mega Man being Rockman originally. Yeah. Maybe that's where Yellow comes in. <laughs> Is Yellow more Mega? Isn't Phoenix Wright doesn't contain his name in the original Japanese? It's Getyukan Saiban. Gyakuten. Yeah, thank you. Gyakuten. Gya- uh, <laughs> I need to see it written down because I can only pronounce Japanese if it's right in front of me. I mentioned this on the podcast already, but um, with the Nancy Drew game where she goes to Japan, I did the demo of the game and I had like about 50 people yell at me for mispronouncing the names of all the Japanese towns. And somebody actually sent me a link on how to pronounce Japanese. Actually, I think three people sent me links on how to pronounce Japanese things that are written in English. So I can actually do it correctly now. Nicely done. Like, it always bothers me when people can't pronounce things in Japanese because, like, pronouncing things in Japanese is actually rather simple. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't vacillate like it does in French. There are no silent E's or weird L's. (laughs) Everything is very set. It's just knowing the kanji or the hiragana or katakana. Yeah, or people writing it properly. Yeah. Like, if they're writing it in English, actually writing it properly. I don't know. Yeah. Well, even then, uh, though... um... I'm thinking my Filipino friends, they get mad when people cannot pronounce the the NG word in, uh, it's not a word, it's nyong. But um, that always trips up English speakers. Yeah. Everything else is pretty much exactly like Spanish slash English, except for that one, it means of. A word that starts with NG? <laughs> well, no, I mean, uh, Lamb of God is Cordero Nyong Dios. And in Spanish, it's uh, Cordero de Dios, so pretty much the same as Spanish, and I know Spanish, so <laughs> the only thing that's tripping me up is the, the Nyong's thing. Yeah, interesting. It's simple when it's just by itself with one word, but if it's like in the middle of a word, it's like, oh my gosh. We mentioned this on Game Cola recently, didn't we, with the uh, accents and things like that? Uh, I think someone was complaining about your complaints of accents in Leighton Brothers. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, no, this is relevant about, um, do-do-do-do-do, with, um, speech therapy and things I took. Um, it's harder with a difficult sound if it comes at the end of the word or the middle of the word. If it comes at the beginning of the word, it's a lot easier to, uh, get through that difficult sound. Hmm. Apparently that's just how humans work. But with mm-hmm. Leighton Brothers Mystery Game, that uh, Mystery Room, that has over six different regional dialects, all of them British, which is difficult for people who have not been to six areas in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You can just watch a lot of uh, Doctor Who or something. Yeah, no, but I don't keep... have cable. We 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 went over that. Oh yeah. And it's Doctor it's hard. Hmm? Most Does of the Doctor Who stuff accent? is not. It's more lo- of a Londoner accent. But there are some pretty intense British accents, especially the farther away from London you get. <laughs> like, um, I forget the one I looked up. Uh, Yorkshire, they have a really mm-hmm. heavy Yorkshire accent in number five. And I know this because I had to look it up. It's like, what is Gora? G-O-R-R-A. Apparently it means got to or gonna, but they changed the N's to R's. It's like, all right, Gora, yeah. be in this shite because it's fantastic. <laughs> he was really yeah. he was a strange character who was really excited about the mafia guy he wanted to be a mafia killer just like the mafia guy who he saw killed <laughs> oh. something to aspire to 
yeah, I see the guy killed right in front of me, and I still want to live just like him. Okay. Well, I mean... I think it's because they didn't really have a suspect in that episode, so they needed somebody there, so he's the witness. If he gets... I don't know, I mean, we do have some dialects and stuff in English that can be difficult to understand, but uh, I guess, like you were saying about Doctor Who, they generally keep it to like a more mild accent. I think we do the same mm-hmm. thing in English most of the time. Like, unless it's like... They only have an accent if it's, like, a key part of their characterization. Like, they're stereotypically right. from the South, so, of course, they have a Southern accent. Like, they only... But there are different Southern accents, too, yeah. so class comes into play. Yeah, like, Louisiana. Also, none accents. of them are real Southern accents, I'm told. <laughs> which, Nancy Drew game, which came, I mean, the Nancy Drew game, which takes place in um, Georgia, takes place in Georgia... Like, my friends from the South, it's like, okay, only one of those voice actors has actually been to the South <laughs> and knows how to do the accent correctly. Everyone else is faking. I've never really I don't know. traveled too much through the South. I mean, like, I live in Florida, but we're, like, this weird little island of, like, we get so much tourism and stuff that we just kind of, like, all melted together and we don't really have <laughs> a Southern accent. But uh, in the Panhandle, you do definitely get... Accents. My friends in Pensacola definitely have a sort of accent to them, but it's relatively mild. Georgia has multiple accents, too. I mean, you've got the more... I want to say, you know how when British people try to do American accents, it's inevitably a southern accent? (laughs) It's that, and then there's, like, kind of the redneck southern accent, too? Yeah, so the... I don't know. That's what I've experienced. The actress who had the good accent did the more uh, sophisticated southern accent. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, no matter where you go, um, up and down the coast at least, I mean, I'm from Baltimore, but I have family up in um, Pennsylvania who come from the Dutch country, so they say things kind of odd. Well, not oddly, but they just have different lilts from down here, you know, a whole mm-hmm. state away. So. Well, uh, we're... I'm from, like, I mean, I live in Florida now, but we originally came from near Buffalo. And mm-hmm. it's just really funny to me to go back and, like, talk to my uncle. And just the way that they talk is definitely, I don't know, it just seems silly and stereotypical to me. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, they sound kind of like uh, people from Wisconsin, but I don't know. No, I, I have family up there, too. And, uh they do say weird things like pop yes, instead of just, soda. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> oh, good. Somebody else who agrees with me, that's kind of weird. <laughs> um, no, I mean, even in Oregon, Central Oregoners talk different than um, wherever the heck Portland is, North Side. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least you have to give the developer, or the translator at least, kudos for trying to incorporate some of those accents, even if it does make some of the dialogue a bit hard to follow. Well, no, I think it, this is something with the um, Professor Layton series is that mm-hmm. um, they always translate everything or localize it into um, European English because it's much bigger in Europe than it is in the United States. Mm. So, for example, well, the set... Professor Layton movie – oh, you go ahead, Catherine. Oh, no, I was just going to say, isn't it set mostly in Europe too anyway? So. It does take place in Europe, but here's the funny thing. They have American voice actors and British voice <laughs> actors. So for the movie, they use the British voice actors 
and the strange thing is that the main voice actor, the guy who does Professor Layton, he's Christopher Robin Miller. He he's one hundred percent American. So uh, <laughs> oh, but no, Lonnie Manella, who does the voice of Nancy Drew, and she's one of my Skype contacts. She's actually online right now. We should bring her in. Um, they apparently hated her British accent for Luke. The, the oh. voice. She does the Cockney accent for him, but they didn't mind her accents for the other female characters. So all the lines in the European version have just redubbed Luke, but they keep all of her other characters. <laughs> uh, that must be frustrating. Yeah. Although I do have to wonder, like, what do the what are the characters speak like in the original Japanese? Like. Leighton has a much deeper voice. Well, no, but I mean, like, do they have any sort of accents? Like, are they Japanese forms of accents, or are they, like, a British accent in Japanese? Or is, do you just speak like a normal Japanese person? Um, because you know Japanese, you would probably be able to tell. Like, it is it is something that I actually enjoy quite a bit, is listening to anime that have, like, characters who are American, and they speak Japanese with, like, a bad accent. I just find it comical. Or Osaka versus, like, northern Japanese. Yeah. You know, southern versus northern accents. They're interesting. Yeah. Well, I speak Japanese with a bad American accent, I'm told, but... (laughs) That's because I don't know what any of the words mean. I'm just pronouncing them. Uh, I'll I'll try to find it for you, Jetty. We've we've got it here on Game Cola. That would be, like, the first announcement of Professor Layton and Phoenix Wright, wouldn't it be? Uh, Because we had... We contain... Um, one of the articles had the video which announced it with the uh, English subtitles so you would get to hear what the characters sound like in Japanese. Yeah, I think I remember watching that, but it's been so long I don't even remember. Because they made such a huge deal about it because the uh, people who played um, the Phoenix Wright characters in the movie were um, doing the voices for the game. Hold on, hold on, I'm listening to the thing. Yeah, he just speaks with like... a generic manly like old man sort of voice like not really old man but like uh professor layton is definitely manly so could you speak japanese with a british of course you could i just don't know any japanese darn (laughs) yeah and i i don't think i could try to make an accent in another language well i could like try to speak like spanish with a british accent so it'd be lo siento senor Now, I know that they definitely do cast different characters with, you know, the fake accents, because there was one character, I can't remember what show it was, but it was like a Russian guy, so he was speaking Japanese with like a heavy Russian accent, so. I don't know. Uh, Actually, when I went to Japan, I remember we were walking through Harajuku, and there were all of these, like, there were people trying to, like, literally pull you physically into the shops and like pull you to the side and be like you need to shop here and they were pretending to be americans but they had like like west african accents like they like walked up to uh, a friend of mine and they were like hey hey are are you american i'm from america too i'm from new jersey that's a city right (laughs) of course I don't know, I guess... Why do they think Americans will sell stuff? Uh, Aren't we mostly, like, universally hated? I think uh, because they were black that they thought, like, street fashion, black people, it's going to sell to uh-huh. Japanese. Like, it seems more uh, legit that it's like... <laughs> okay. Uh, look, there are black people here. They like fashion, right? <laughs> it's not racist at all. <laughs> I don't know. It was just entertaining that, like, they 
did that. I don't know. <laughs> that is interesting. Hello, I am from New Jersey. Would you like to buy my stuff? <laughs> yes, you're definitely from New Jersey, I can tell. <laughs> it is a city. Is there New Jersey City? I'm gonna have... Well, it's different from old Jersey. Are you sure? I think there is a Jersey City, isn't there? There is. Isn't that where people gamble? Well, there's Jersey City. I don't know if there's New Jersey City. Like, I just searched uh, Jersey City and it came up with Jersey City, which... Yeah. Uh, oh, wow, that's New York, isn't it? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> See, the weird thing is, I, I've never been to New York. I know nothing about it. But because they make so much media, like movies and books and things in New York, yeah. mm-hmm. they make all the stuff take place in New York. So I've heard of these places, but I have no idea where they are. Like, Newark and... Uh, don't go to Newark. Hoboken, wasn't that where they had the giant chicken or something? Hoboken? That's northern New York. The Hoboken uh. chicken emergency, adapted into a <laughs> chil- uh, yeah, adapted into a movie in 1984. Oh, well then. <laughs> Actually, uh, it bothers me sometimes because I remember talking to somebody who was from New York City. I was like, oh yeah, I'm from Western New York. And they're like, oh, you're from New York City. I'm like, no, I'm from, I'm from Western New York. And they're like, oh, you're from upstate. No, upstate is Albany. Western New York is Buffalo. Like, there is an entire state of New York. Yeah. Like, I don't think people appreciate it until they start having to drive through it. Yeah, and then it takes, you know, like six hours. <laughs> and then, like, my friends seem to assume that the rest of the state is also full of city. And I'm like, no, it's cows and stuff. No. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because I can't appreciate it, so I'm going to look this. Okay, so there are different parts of Manhattan, and Brooklyn apparently is different from New York City. I don't know much about New York City, honestly. I, I, I was on the Brooklyn opposite end of the Brooklyn is a state. borough outside of it. So, like, when you think of New York City, you're thinking of Manhattan Island. Did you ever watch Gargoyles growing nope. up? Oh, okay. <laughs> Add that I to your I probably should have, because I know Latin, so <laughs> it would have been a good idea. Um... But no, I mean, so Brooklyn is like a suburb that's not on Manhattan proper. But there's it's, a bridge which goes to Manhattan But there is a bridge. Proper, there is which a bridge. is called the Brooklyn Bridge, right? Yes. <laughs> it, that's so the it, fifth Percy Jackson book. They, they actually included a map of New York, which was helpful for us non-natives. <laughs> because it was important because they had to protect the Empire State Building. So they had to, they had to have like warriors on all five of the bridges, which are close to it. Oh. Didn't going back to video games, didn't Parasite Eve take place in New York City? Uh, I think so. So did Prototype. Hmm. Video games. So, yeah. Video games that take place in New York City. Didn't didn't Ghostbusters 2 take place in New York City? Yes, I believe it did. Yeah. I was just going to say I'm pretty sure that that was the one where they like uh possessed the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of games which take place in New York City, there's a Wikipedia article for it. Wow, because that's necessary. (laughs) Do they have one about Buffalo? (laughs) This is a video game set in Buffalo. Obviously not. Okay, so Assassin's Creed 3, never played it. 18 Wheels of Steel. Well, you're only there for like 20 minutes. 18 Wheels of American Pro Trucker. Sorry. Sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah, Assassin's Creed 3. Isn't that the one that takes place in colonial America? So I guess they don't yeah. have much of Maryland either. Hmm, poor Maryland. It's okay. We're near D.C., and Fallout 3 takes place there, so it's all good. It's all good. 
So Fallout refers to like nuclear Fallout. So it yes. takes after the world has been destroyed by nuclear weapons. Yeah, it's like uh, 200 years post World War Three, and it's a quasi 1950s universe. So, so World War Three took place 200 years before the 1950s. So, no, so like <laughs> civilization so collapsed. Civiliz- civilization collapsed during the Cold War. Like there was a nuclear strike, and the only people who survived were the ones who were down in the vaults. So when they came up, all they had was, you know, the recycled 1950s, 1960s music and culture and fun stuff. So when you go around in this, like, highly mechanized power armor, you're listening to, like, Frank Sinatra and that kind of era music. He was the 40s. Okay, well... (laughs) I'm such a nerd, sorry. No, I'm just... Is Fallout based on Blast from the Past, the movie starring Brendan Fraser? I don't know. I've only played three, so I haven't played one or two. Oh, I thought you meant like you played three of the Fallout games, and okay. No, no, I played Fallout Three, the third installment in. Yeah. I was just making a joke because Brendan Sorry. Fraser starred in a movie in which, like, I think that the there was no nuclear war, but he was locked away in a. Like underground. Oh yeah, I I know what you're talking about. That movie. I think that came after the game, so maybe the movie was inspired by the game. Oh, that's a good point. I never thought about that at the time. But yeah, it's so kind of like that. Two Lost in New York takes place in New York, as does Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Manhattan Project. <sighs> wow, I get it. Oh, Yonoid takes place. <laughs> wow, Yonoid. Wait, Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom. Well, do they include um, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Because she can stop off. Actually, she does stop off. The one that was the, the game which was made in 2001, and I know that because it has the Twin Towers in the game. Mm. And it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, that was the one scene in New York they showed yeah. because they were, like, destroyed the exact same year the game came out well then clearly you need to go in and update the wikipedia list hold on this this game or this list on wikipedia says that pilot wings takes place in new york city and i'm pretty sure it doesn't like i've beaten pilot pretty sure it does does it it's on the list i mean i guess that's a good point like even though i played the game and i don't remember new york city being in it at all if it's on the list and it's on wikipedia it must be true well maybe it was in the um the manual Maybe it says so in the manual. <laughs> yeah. it's true. But speaking of games which were outdated by the time they were released, uh, Hardy Boys for the DS, Hardy Boys Treasure on the Tracks, uh, they go to Russia and they find, um, what's her face, Anastasia. Oh. Okay. And uh, later that year, they officially proved the evidence that Anastasia was killed. Oh, thanks. Well, they compare it with the, the movie timeline you know yeah well i mean i got a couple of comments on my video walkthrough for that they're like michael anastasia was killed didn't you read the um, news report in 2009 <laughs> well 2009 that's it so the game was released 2009 and let me see when the uh, report was anastasia of russia the russian princess oh well um i think i might have the wrong person there are too many anastasias <laughs> What are you looking for, her death date or when they debunked 
Yeah, when they debunked it. Well, I'm actually also looking for her too. Um, 2009. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, specifically, the game came out in September 1st. So, can we get a date on March 13th, 2009? Is what's coming up for me. Oh snap! <laughs> so, apparently, there was no check. I guess, or they're just like, well, you know what? Well, it was what? March 13th, and it's like, well, you know... We're dedicated long, to this. <laughs> how long does it take to make a game? Because yeah. from March to September, so I, I guess they had, like, a vague opportunity at that point to completely change the game, <laughs> yeah. or just go ahead with it. Well, was it a lynch point? I mean, was it key to what happened in the game, or was it just a fun, like, haha, Easter egg... We found Anastasia. It was, kind of a, it was kind of a main point, too. She shows up at the very end and gives our heroes the clue, which helps them find the treasure. Ah. Uh, so, I mean, oh, she's well. an actual character who talks. That's that's your bonus at the end of the game. It's like, whoa, the Hardy Boys found Anastasia. <laughs> and then I sang the song from the Anastasia movie because I couldn't think of any other joke to make because I knew nothing about her. <laughs> In my defense, she died. Yeah. yeah Very she young. Did. She was murdered. Video games. Yeah. So Good did times. they make a video game based off Anastasia? You know, I don't think they did, but if they did, I could only see it being like um, the Atlantica level in Kingdom Hearts, where all you do is press buttons to songs. <laughs> I don't know. They made a game based off the Page Master. Oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> which is... It was a very good adventure game. They used, like, the actual animation from the movie for the animation in the game. It says on the Wikipedia page, uh, the success of Anastasia spawned various adaptations of the film into other media, including a direct-to-video spin-off film, a computer game, blah, 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 blah. But it does say there was a computer game. Let me click the uh, Adventures with Puka and Bartok. Yeah. I'm also looking at a princess dress-up game. Woohoo. It was. You know, I was gonna say that you're not allowed to do those because Paul usually reviews them, but he's not on Game Cola anymore, so I guess it's free game. Let's go to Game Facts. Mm, game Facts doesn't always work. Yeah, well, this site isn't even telling me what system it's for, or well, I guess it was for PC. Aha, uh-huh, since it said that. Uh, there is a. Mm, there was one for PlayStation. Yeah. I was looking at that. Yeah, one for the PlayStation and one for the PC. <coughs> Well, there you go, then. Is the PlayStation 1... Uh, show me a bigger screenshot than, like, a 50 by 50 like... Oh, there we go. Of the game cover? Um, go looks, to eBay. Oh, wait, I looks, guess eBay might not work. I, I got it, and it looks completely unrelated to the movie. But there is an Anastasia game, apparently, hmm. for PlayStation. Includes well, cartoon, film, with... jigsaw, puzzle, and coloring book. Oh, with, uh, what's-its-face, uh, the Page Master game, it was supposed to be based off the movie, but they cut stuff out of the movie, so, yeah. So there's, like, a large section with Frankenstein, and apparently he was too frightening, so they cut him out of the movie entirely. Wow. Sounds so like I a good f- end, boss. <laughs> feel kind of bad for the game. No, actually, you help Frankenstein find a, a beautiful woman. He just, he wants love, that's all. Aww. So and that's Frankenstein's scary? Bride. I see. Well, it's scary because you know how Frankenstein comes to life, right? So um, our hero, Richard, goes to the graveyard and actually digs up a couple of bodies so they can make a wife for Frankenstein so he can give 
Richard the letter E, which is the answer to the Sphinx's riddle, which will let you get inside the area with the dragon, who is the end boss of the game. Ah. Wait, was the riddle... Because I did recite all of that off the top of my head. Was the riddle the one about, like, the beginning of every end and the end of every... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, the end of time, the start of every ending. Yeah, uh, yawn. Well, because I knew that riddle, I was able to solve, like, the exact same riddle in Harry Potter and uh, (laughs) Goblet of Fire, where the Sphinx's riddle, it literally was. It was a Sphinx, right? And they cut it out of the movie, Mm -hmm. because who wants to see interesting stuff? Well, when you can blow things up, clearly, that's what people are looking for. Yeah. Well, I feel kind of bad for that particular section of the movie anyway, because it wasn't very good. Where they go in the maze and everything, because there's, like, nothing there. Well... I always wondered what it would be for the people in the stands. They were just sitting there and watching these shrubs and hearing screams off in the distance. <laughs> like, well, to be honest, they had to sit through the second task where they just sit and watch true. the lake for an hour. Yeah. And the book yeah. is very specific. It takes over an hour. How long does it take in the movie? Like 10 minutes? <laughs> but the first task was okay because, you, you know, they watched the fighting dragons, which is interesting. But right. in the movie, Harry and the dragon go flying around the castle, and they completely leave the stadium. <laughs> so that must have been, like, the world's most boring challenge to watch, because they weren't actually in the stadium half the time. Well, though, I think the dragons had been chained in the stadium at that point. So they got to see at least the first three fights, so at least they saw something for the first round. Well, yeah, I guess, and the other plans, or, I mean... What was it? Like, Victor Crumb used the conjunctivitis curse, and um, Cedric Diggory tried to turn a rock into a dog, and I forget what Fleur did. She did some sort of spell. So, I mean, they all had plans which involved being close to the dragon, whereas Harry had the broom, which was flying away. So that's necessarily taking the dragon away, I suppose. Video games. Yeah. Actually, uh, Kate, I mean, Michael Gray, I don't imagine that you played Arena, but Kate, did you ever play the original Elder Scrolls game, Arena? No, it's another on my to-do list. I still haven't finished up all the Skyrim stuff because I just get distracted. Uh, I have a problem with hoarding, so... <laughs> well, here's the question. What is Skyrim? Like, like I the, mean, what does the, the game or the actual... philosophical question, or... No, what, does the title, what does the title refer to? A land area. Okay, so it's so, like the country Skyrim. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's a country per se. I think... It's just a part of the continent, like a region. Oh, but yeah. um, do they have Skyrim accents in Skyrim? They're all essentially Vikings, so yes, <laughs> they all have Viking accents. Well, uh, okay, yeah, I've never played Skyrim. I don't have the Xbox 360. I was. Oh, well, you could play it on PC. You can. Yeah, that's that's going to be like my resort to play Ducktales Remastered because I don't have the Wii U, or the PS3, or the PS2. Yeah, you can buy Skyrim on Steam. and Oh, you can... yeah, yeah, that Steam thing everybody's talking about. Yeah. See, I'm scared of it because everybody's talking about it. They also talk about that indie bundle thing all the time, and I have no idea what that is. You pay what you will for a bunch of games. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I only recently got on Steam because Paul gave me a free game. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I I tried running. I got Steam to play Skyrim, and I bought Skyrim, and it crashed my computer. Oh. So I can't actually play it. But I play it on my 360. But theoretically, you can play it on your PC if it's powerful enough. I just remember, like, I used to play Arena, but I played it back in, like, 1996. Uh-huh. Like, you know, back when it was... I, I think it was still old at that time, but uh, <laughs> it was still... It was before Daggerfall, at least. Uh, yeah. I remember Daggerfall cam- coming out while I was playing Arena and being like, whoa, it's, like, 3,000 times better. And it was still... Well, what is the premise of Arena? Uh, somebody broke the chaos staff into eight pieces or something and you have to do the exact same thing eight times which is literally like you have to find a guy in a bar who tells you like he tells you that he knows where the staff is and you need to go to this other dungeon before he'll tell you where to go to the dungeon to get the piece of the staff literally do that lots of like chained fetch and carry missions essentially kind of but before they really had the concept of any of that like Okay. It wasn't really well put together or, like, linked. You just kind of did this stuff. I don't know. Uh, Unfortunately. Oh, go ahead. Oh, what I was just going to say is we were talking about games that have riddles in them, and that was kind of a major part of Arena, is before you would be able to get into, like, certain rooms with major treasures, like at the end of a dungeon, they would have you say, say the answer to a riddle, and I was pretty good at them, actually, but I remember I got stopped at this one point I was all the way in the center of a dungeon. I couldn't sleep because there were monsters like outside the room. So I was about to die. I couldn't leave the room because the monsters would kill me. I couldn't sleep to rest. And I only recently, like a month ago, looked up what the answer to the riddle was and came to find out that instead of being something that you could just tell, like the other ones were like, uh, what is a hand that doesn't have fingers of its own or something dumb? And it was a glove. Whoa. Uh... Or like, I don't know, it was an egg or time. Uh, what gets wetter the more it dries? It's a towel. Whoa. That's a good one. I don't think that one was in the <laughs> again. I don't know, like, uh, I think it probably had the E riddle. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, was this one, this very specific one, was based on, like, game lore. So oh, okay. if you didn't, I didn't have the manual. And I didn't even think that it was going to be something that was based on the game. So I was just, like, guessing. And, yeah. Yeah, Skyrim doesn't have anything like that. It's mostly a bunch of go here and kill everyone, or go there and get an item, but to get that item, kill everyone. <laughs> you know? yes. so, yeah, I think it I mean, might be better if it had more you know, brain teasers. Yeah. Skyrim 2, brain teaser edition. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, they're working on the Elder Scrolls online right now, and oh. I, I don't know how many brain teasers they'll have for that. What they need to do is re-release the King's Quest games. You guys played those, right? Oh, I played uh, the first couple back back in the day. Yeah. They're probably not as good as I remember they were, <laughs> but they were pretty fabulous at the time. Yes. No, but uh, we can talk more about King's Quest, but to go back momentarily about downloading games which kill your computer. Um, yeah. The Assassin's Creed series. This, this is a fun little story. I... I got the Assassin's Creed and loaded it on my computer. And for some reason, it changed the name of my other games. Oh. So so here in my games folder, I've got a game called Dark Messiah Might and Magic, made by Ubisoft. Ubisoft how do you pronounce that company's name? It's Ubisoft. Yeah. Ubisoft released um, 
2006. And when I open it, it actually opens up my copy of the Pride and Prejudice game. Oh. The Pride and Prejudice dating sim, which is weird because it's like... Well then. If I want to play Pride and Prejudice, I have to open up this file which tells me that it's going to this game which is rated M for nudity and blood and gore <laughs> and intense You mean violence. that's not the Pride and Prejudice game? No, there's, there's not that much intense violence. It's just mild violence. That's a shame. Does anyone here remember something awful? It sounds uh, familiar. I remember the time Paul was on the podcast. <laughs> oh, wait, is that a game you're referring to? No, it was a website that used to be popular back in the day, and lately it's kind of like no one cares about it anymore, I don't think. I mean, maybe someone will yell at me in the comments or whatever, but I just remember a long time ago, I'm talking like 10 years ago or more at this point, they were making fun of somebody's game, <laughs> and they were like, yes, it's Derek Smart's Desktop Commander, because the game immediately closed as soon as it opened. <laughs> so they were like, wow, this game is the perfect desktop emulator. It looks exactly like my desktop. Nice. So, uh, King's Quest, I never played that. That was made by Sierra. They made a bunch of Quest games. Mm-hmm. And Space Quest. I only played What's-Its-Face. <laughs> The the one I did with Paul for the game Cool YouTube, um, with the boy. The Adventures of Willie Beamish. Oh, yeah. And the thing which killed us was um, one of the puzzles which depends on your processor speed. So um, I did not have enough time. It's a time challenge, mm. if that makes any sense. So if you have a really fast computer, it only gives you 20 seconds to solve the puzzle. Whereas if you have a normal computer from the 90s, I guess it gives you three minutes. Yeah, I uh, I had a similar issue. I had this uh, when we got our first CD-ROM in our PC, like, whoa, new technology. It came with, like, <laughs> a copy of uh, Interplay's 10th Anniversary, which had, like, all of the games that they made. Uh, and one of them was just so very old that it was literally impossible to play. You started it up. And, like, if you could get it to, like, select a proper menu option, because, like, instead of just, like, jumping to the top or jumping to the bottom, if you finally got it to play, it would just, like, instantly be game over because everything did its thing and you didn't have time to enter anything. I feel upset that the King's Quest reboot was not, um, well, it was canceled by Telltale because now they only make games based on comic books. That is a shame. There were some pretty solid titles back in the day, so... Yeah. I've been asked to um, do a video walkthrough for the one which was fully animated, uh, like number seven, I think, Mm-hmm. with Disney-style animation. How was that game? Oh, I don't think I actually played that one. I had the whole collection, but um, it was at a point where I don't think the computer could handle it, <laughs> so... <laughs> It looks familiar, though, so maybe I did play it. You've got to get uh, an emulator, I guess. Actually, yeah. no, that's like 9098. I don't know if the emulator would work. 1994 for Windows 95. Well, I mean, DOSBox is usually pretty good at like making old mm-hmm. games work. Yeah, but if you've got a game which is a bit too recent, such as um, oh, I the Page Master game won't work on DOSBox. Hmm. It's and Chaos, which, um, which I reviewed recently, which was, again, a 1996 game. So I used 96 as my arbitrary cutoff date because those are, like, the two games from 96 which have not worked on DOSBox. Mm. Video games. Yeah. 
poor King's Quest. Why did the series... Oh, somebody else bought out the company, right? And then decided to kill all their games. Yeah. Yeah. That's the perfect thing to do when you buy a game (laughs) company. I'll show you. Was it a competitor? Like... I don't know. No, it was like... They really hated the one puzzle in the second game where you had to be, like, pixel perfect and go through the maze of vines. I don't know. It's too bad. I'm surprised that it hasn't been picked up by a fan at the very least, but... Yeah. It says that it's been tried to pick up. I mean, one of the producers tried to make um, their own, like, spinoff series, but they weren't able to use the King's Quest name specifically because the people who owned it were in the process of selling the rights off to Telltale. Oh. oh, okay. But since Telltale dumped it, it's like, oh, I feel so bad for the guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's a Kickstarter. Let me buy the rights to the name King's Quest so I can sell my game. Yeah. Revamp the series. What's his face? Didn't do that with um, Monkey Island. Now that Disney owns um, Lucas Arts, you think they'd be willing to yeah. sell? I don't know. Uh, Once Disney gets its clutches on things, do they really let go? <laughs> Well, now is the perfect time to jump in and try to steal, like, the rights for video games things from um, Disney because they're, like, throwing out their Disney... Most of their uh, video game corporations have been shut down, like the people who made Epic Mickey and stuff. Yeah. The only thing they have going on right now is Disney Infinity, and that company has no other games planned. It's basically, if this game is not a success, Disney's going to shut it down, just (laughs) like the other one. Well, they're still doing stuff with Disney Interactive. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty... That's kind of their only thing now, right? Other yeah. than the Infinity. Uh, let me see. Isn't Disney Interactive the people who made Disney Infinity? I'm going off of what I was told when, with the news report of them shutting down more Inspector and stuff. So now know. it's Disney Interactive Studios. Oh, boy. They are credited with every entry in the Kingdom Hearts franchise. Oh, they must right. make money off of that. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess that's a Disney game. I guess it's technically not a Disney game, so... So here it is. When they bought Lucasfilm, Walt Disney decided to take some of the Star Wars stuff, and then they sold out the rest to Electronic Arts. Mm. Mm. It's a weird thing to argue. But in January 2013, they did close down the one of the Disney Interactive things, studios, Junction Point Studios. There we go. So yeah, I think this I is... Wonder... Oh, God. I don't know. You go. I was just going to say, I wonder if they'll do more like, hey, Squaresoft or Square Enix or, you know, EA or whoever, here are some characters. You can play with it. Just give us the money when you're done. You know, I could see them farming out their characters other than making the games themselves. Yeah. That used to be something they did a lot, but I don't, you know, they used to do that with, hey, here's the Jungle Book and here's Duck Pills. Go crazy. Yeah, that was a good game. I haven't played the remake, have you? Mm-mm. I think it's Wii U, isn't it? It's Wii U, PS3, and uh, Xbox 360. Oh, they do have it on 360. Well, <laughs> I'll have to check that out. Well, the reviews were not positive, but they all come from people who I think were unable to play the game, the original NES game. <laughs> okay. So... Because they kept like the same difficulty level, we get all these complaints about, wow, it's it's way too difficult that I have to, you know, <laughs> there's no save point in the middle of the level. Mm, interesting. Oh, younglings. It's like, really, when you're good, it's like a five-minute level. I don't understand the problem. Clearly, they did not have the platformer growing up 
Like they probably grew up on uh, N64s, maybe or PlayStation Twos. They definitely, the they definitely didn't play Ninja Gaiden. No. <laughs> Actually, uh, speaking of that, no Jackie Chan's action kung fu. Oh, sorry. Uh, but speaking of that kind of stuff, we have two uh, listener mails. If we want to read those, one of which is vaguely related to what we were just discussing. All right. Oh. Sure, yeah, let's go for it. Now, let me me read the first one first, because it literally, they sent it to us the day after we recorded the last podcast. Now, it says, Podcast mail from Wyatt. Hey, just want your opinion. I noticed recently a game called To the Moon came out that was pretty much on rails with hardly any actual puzzles, challenges, or choices. It was based 100% on the story. So I was wondering if you guys think that there is any room for games like this that are based entirely on story? Also, do you think that games like these can actually be considered games, or if they should be considered interactive stories? Hmm. I don't want to be, like, mean, but, you know, I played the demo for that game, and it was awful. You didn't like it? I did not like it at all. My gosh. Was the story bad, or just gameplay? I didn't think there was much of a story. It took me forever to get to the actual story because it's sort of like a hybrid RPG without any combat. Yeah. So there was way too much walking around for me in order to actually find the place where the story was happening. I'm pretty sure it was... that was my problem. I'm pretty sure it was made in RPG Maker, actually. Uh, It probably was, yeah. But uh, I played it, or did I play the demo? I'm trying to think... Uh, I feel like I played it because of Game Cola, but I don't think I did a review. Hmm. Give me a second to look. So, what do you think, guys? Is it just that it didn't work because it was mostly story, or was it just the mechanics itself were just awful and didn't support the story itself? I didn't particularly like the story or the mechanics. It, it was fine. It works just like a normal RPG where you walk from screen to screen. But uh, it starts off where, like, you are two people in a car and you need to go up through a maze through, like, four screens in order to find the house where stuff is happening. Yeah, it's... But I got lost. It's kind of like if an RPG, like a traditional, like, uh, Final Fantasy-style RPG was, like, a hidden object game because you have to go around and, like, click on things in order to, like, get memories or something... So it's more like the old school 90s point and click adventures. Uh kind of, except okay. you don't point and click, you like walk around with the arrow buttons, but basically. Yeah, you okay. go up to something and press A and yeah. you know, that's how you examine it. Yeah, but but the the like concept of you have to walk around and click on things is the same. Like according to Paul Franzen, he seemed... thought the game was great because it made a reference to Animorphs or something. <laughs> yes, he, he also cites both Chrono Trigger and Animorphs in the trailer. Is this what true love feels like? So Paul was uh, Paul was for it. I might have played it just because he like kept talking about it. Uh, I think, well, he is you know, working if... on... Hmm? Oh, go ahead. I think I would have probably liked the game better if it immediately started off with the story, but because it looks like an RPG and plays like an RPG, I thought it was an RPG. Mm. And so I started off with exploring all these areas which have nothing in them. So that was my problem. I played it wrong. Like, I thought the graphics were pretty good. Like, I liked... uh, It was a very pretty game, I thought. But I don't know if uh, using RPG Maker was necessarily, like, the best... 
like engine for the game. So you do consider it a game, you don't consider it an interactive storybook per se? Uh, I guess I would think more along the lines of like visual novels being interactive stories. Like there was a lot more, there was a lot more like doing into the moon than there was, than there is in like, I don't know, other games. Uh, The Pride and Prejudice game. yeah, Yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, but I mean like there, there is room in the gamosphere or whatever, uh, for, you know, basically whatever you want. So like, I'm not against people making these games even if I don't seek them out myself yeah well I mean have you played any games or like are there any that come to mind for you that you think really changed the way a story was told I know for me Bastion having the narrator Mm, as you actually go around and do stuff I thought that was really cool yeah that was uh was it 2012's uh yeah game of the something (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think it was top indie or something. Yeah, or most innovative, basically because of the uh, the narrative style. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's very innovative to like have a narrator. I've never seen that before. Yeah, definitely. Actually, in a video game, do they usually not have them in video games? Probably not. Well, he literally narrated well, like everything that you did, and it it took me a while to figure out like he isn't just randomly saying stuff. He's actually saying about what I am literally doing at that moment. Yeah. Usually when there's a narrator, it's just for cutscenes, but this was, like, as you were doing it. Yeah, like, you pick up... If you were... Oh, now I remember Fire Emblem for the GameCube, which had the best narrator ever, but he only shows up at the ending cutscene, which made me so mad. I think you've talked about this on the podcast before, actually. I probably did, it, but he was literally, like, the best narrator ever, like, um, reminded me of the Land Before Time narrator who is in... Oh, gosh, I haven't seen that movie in decades. <laughs> Never mind, I won't talk about it. But I think, like, the narrator is actually one of the random side characters who appears in, like, a three-minute scene. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess the down and dirty is, yes, there's potential for really awesome story-driven games. A lot of people think that games don't need story. <laughs> I personally really enjoyed them. But I've, I think, mechanics-wise... A nice way to kind of break that down is if you ever played um, Prince of Persia 2002, I think it was, the one that everyone, no, 2008, the one that everyone hates. <laughs> I actually really liked it because you could either go through and sit and talk to Elika, you know, your NPC sidekick, or you could skip all of the cutscenes and just go around and beat stuff up. So yeah, that's a good, you get the best of both worlds. That's a good point. Actually, Michael Gray, weren't you talking about uh, a game that you had the option to skip all the puzzles? <laughs> um, That's a game that I was just given a review copy for, Left in the Dark, No One on Board. Um, press F1 and you can skip all the hidden object scenes, and I loved it. <laughs> so did that have a good story? I mean, would you play that for the story? Uh, it's an okay story. I don't think that... Uh, I'll mention this in my review, but um, I, the, I think the voice acting killed it for me because they have yeah. two voice actors playing, like, four different male characters, and every character has the same, like, gruff, gravelly voice. <laughs> because it's supposed to be scary, but, oh. I mean, I'm like, uh, uh. Right. So, next email? Sure. I'm looking up the uh, narrator for... Um, wait. 
Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. Right, this is relevant. You can skip all the story in that game as well. But why it's... would you? No, RPG. No. <laughs> but but it's it's one of those good RPGs rather than Final Fantasy. Ooh. Jody, put oh. that as a podcast topic. <laughs> What's the difference between like the Fire Emblem and the Fire Fan fi- fi- the Final Fantasy RPGs, right? Uh, One's like a strategy RPG and the other's the other <laughs> yes, the other. <laughs> no, uh, that is a big difference. Uh, they both start with F, though. I mean, they're pretty much the same. They're from Japan. They're video games. Yeah. Who can tell? <laughs> but the next email, okay? Of arcades and applications. Dear Game Cola Podcast, I recently read an excellent article on your website entitled Retro Does Not Equal Good, written by Mr. Daniel Castro, Esquire. In this article, he wrote the following... Sometime later, I realized that there is a reason for the insane, quote, difficulty, unquote, in Ikari Warriors 2. This game is actually a port from an arcade game. You know, those things that used to gobble coins from us. As glorious as we might remember the good old arcades, we can't deny the fact that they weren't designed to be fair or let us have a good run on our money. Their role was to offer the exact level of difficulty to get us killed over and over that would make us keep pumping coins into them without feeling like we were being robbed. Mr. Castro is talking about arcade games, but he could easily be talking about the current gaming generation with its premium content, in-app purchases, and DLC. I've seen many a game where the developers purposely make the game as difficult as possible in order to force players to buy extra lives, equipment, and imaginary currency. What do your staff members think of this trend? Is it the future of gaming, as the Xbox One asserts, or will this trend go the way of the arcade? Yours sincerely, Winthrop Squigglebottom. I don't know. Uh, DLC games. Uh, DLC that you can add to a game once you've bought it. If it's cheap enough, I'll buy it. A lot of the times I'll wait until you bundle it, and then I'll buy it all at once. But I don't know. What do you guys think? I personally also am incredibly cheap and tend not to buy like in-game stuff if I can avoid it. Uh, but like, I don't know, sometimes it bothers me uh, as with Borderlands 2, which is one of the few games that I've actually, like, one of the few modern games that I've actually bought, uh, I was excited because everyone was talking about the Mecromancer, and then it turns out that it was DLC. I was like, oh. Uh, like, that was the like one thing that I was looking forward to. Uh, I don't know, I, I kind of feel like a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, the freemium way of gaming as being like the future, and I think that's kind of sad and lame because uh, it's not really a good model, honestly. Well, I mean, think about all the different studios that have closed in the past couple of years, too. So, you know, if they're working on the freemium model, I'm not sure how those developers are living, (laughs) you know? How do they make their money? Well, There are only so many golden cows that you can buy. Yeah, because I used to play a lot of... uh, Tetris Battle on Facebook, and I really liked the game. I used to play it a lot, and you could buy uh, more playtime. Like, I had an energy meter, and after so many games, I couldn't play anymore. And I never bought more energy. But what I did like was uh, you could choose, like, the Game Boy Tetris tiles, like, Mm -hmm. make it look like the Game Boy game or whatever. And I saved up for, like, a month my in-game coins to buy, because you could buy them either with money or you could buy them with, like, in-game earned coins. Mm-hmm. And finally I got enough. And I bought it, and it was like, okay, you have this for seven days. Oh. Yeah, and I'm like, are you, 
Are you kidding me? Like, did this just happen? And that was when I stopped playing the game at all. And I feel like a lot of people are probably with me where they start playing these games and they're like, oh yeah, this is cool. And then they realize that it's a complete ripoff. And Yeah. There's only been one Facebook game that I've ever really been tempted to buy anything. And it was fortunately shut down before <laughs> I gave into that. Yeah. But Little Cave Hero, I don't know if either of you played it. Mm. It was like a throwback to, um, I don't know, it's like a typical puzzle game kind of thing. Like uh, Super Nintendo style Zelda puzzles. Yeah. But it had a lot of like snarky comments and witty characters that were just hilarious. Yeah. And um, when you got more items, or like when you bought actual things, it actually increased the gameplay by making things easier or giving you more time to play. So that was the only time I've ever really been tempted for a Facebook game. Now, yeah. DLC for like a 360 game, usually it depends on what it is actually offering. If it's story, then yes, I'll probably buy it. Yeah. If it's just more swag, then no. Yeah. I'm not spending money on that. A fancy hat or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's kind of the thing is... There are ways to make the freemium model work in a like respectable manner, uh, yeah. and I think that most people don't. And what you end up with is, uh, I think Michael Gray recently complained about this uh, in Inside the Guide, that in order to get all of the episodes for whatever game he was reviewing, it would have cost him like $125. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, they did that in um, Assassin's Creed 2. Oh, yeah? And... Um... What you do is you play through memory sequences, and I don't know if it was initially, uh, whoops, we are not going to have the game done in time, or haha, let's see if we can push this yeah. to like DLC, but there were two sections of the game that you actually had to go back and buy, and they were totally worth it, because they were super, super fun, but I still am kind of resenting the fact that, you know, a good couple hours of gameplay were cut out of three quarters of the way through the game. Mm, yeah. It's just like, oh, oh, we can't do this, so we're just going to skip ahead. Mm. I don't know. I like my DLC to come at the end or to enhance what's already there, not be like, haha, we could have given this to you. Yeah. But we're not. That sounds kind of lame. It was still really fun, though. So, <laughs> Michael, do you have any comments? Yeah, sorry, I was just trying to see if the narrator for um, Fire Emblem Path of Radiance was in the sequel, but apparently he is not, which makes me sad. And What's-Her-Face is in it, who I mentioned, Bonnie Manella, who's in the, does Nancy Drew. That's how I know her, but she also does the Professor Layton stuff. Interesting. I could tell it was her voice, she kind of like did the same voice, which I suppose doesn't matter. I think most voice people do kind of use the same voice most of the time. <laughs> Just saying. No, but um, I don't even know how to pronounce it. The Shin Megacy something game. I just remember reading a review of it recently where somebody was really mad that it's pretty much based off the, the freemium model where you know, you'll know you get double EXP oh. if you pay them $5 for this um, one level. Oh, thanks. So it's like, well, I could grind, but I could pay them $5 and get, like, a million coins. Yon. But apparently no. there's only one shop in that game, the Shin... whatever. Shin Megami Tensei? 
that one. Yeah. Apparently there's like one <laughs> shop which sells things at a, like a super exorbitant prices, and I think that's probably the reason why, which is painful. I guess it just depends on how hardcore a fan you are. If you're a casual gamer and you're just playing it because it was recommended or because it was fun and you got it cheap or whatever and you play it and you're like, okay, this is good, but I'm not going to pay X amount more to make it easier or, you know, enhance my experience with 10 more hours of gameplay, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the review I read, which was complaining about this, was saying that apparently it's a Japanese gaming trend because the phone games are very popular uh, in Japan. Okay. And so yeah. that's why it's just now appearing on Nintendo systems. It's because that had to become popular in Japan first before they would put it in their games. Hmm. I don't know. I Even mean, though we've had like phone games in the United States for at least a, no, not at least a decade, eight or nine years. I mean, they had phone games before we did. I think, uh, like, yes, you're right. Because what was it? They released a bunch of like Final Fantasy spin-off games for the phone. Yeah. And those were before we really had phones that we would consider game playable. It just uh, what we consider to be a game on a phone tends to be iPhone games, and what they consider a game on a phone is things that you use like the up and down keys and number keys to play. Yeah. Yeah, I was specifically thinking of iOS because I was applying for a job for one of those companies, and it basically required the job requirements, six years of experience in developing games with the iOS. And it's oh. like, wait a minute, How when did the is, I, yeah. iPod Touch come out? Six years ago! Oh, well, oh. okay. Man, getting a game in that, I mean, getting a job in that industry, is, that was rough. Yeah. Well, I, I was in um, Cupertino, where uh, Apple's headquarters are located, so, I mean, that's why it was rough and why they could be so specific. Yeah, like... This is something which didn't happen... Wasn't that the previous podcast where we tried to talk about games and we had no games in common? <laughs> so, like, I had played the N64, but, Jetty, you've only been up to the SNES. I think that's every podcast, though. But I can pretend I've played SNES games in King's Quest. Well, that's what emulators are for. Clearly, you need to go back and get some good times in with the old, old school Games. Honestly, with the uh, old school emulator, all I did was the Oregon Trail, uh, which I need to <laughs> replay need to now that I'm in Oregon and I can actually pronounce the names of places correctly. You actually get to Oregon when you play? Then mm-hmm. clearly you were not playing correctly, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I just shot Have a bunch of seen, squirrels. I, I, my, my video walkthrough for the game does include a lot of um, um, hunting. But... Yes. <laughs> It was also a show-off where it's like I got all the way to Oregon on the most difficult mode, which is teacher mode, <laughs> yeah. where you start off with like no money whatsoever. It's just like real life. Teachers don't have any money. So I, I still kind of wanted to show off that I could actually beat the game because people apparently thought that was ex- they thought it was cool. But no, uh, at the end of the game, you go to uh, Willamette, you know, Willamette County, and it's pronounced Willamette. Yeah. I don't... No, so how many I, times I, I actually that. got there. Now that I've actually seen the river itself and been in the area. <laughs> but no, I was... Did you try to ford the river? Here. I have exactly 52 older games to play on my um, 90s emulator, so I could go through them. Although, because they're like old games, um, they don't have the full title in it, 
so for example, the Black Cauldron, it's in a folder called Black C-A-U-L, because if it had 12 characters, that would destroy the emulator. <laughs> so I can't tell what all these games are. Just, okay, Dino Park, that was a good game. Dr. Brain. I've got a Krusty. I don't think I have King's Quest. What is L-G-O-P? Okay, that's not helping me at all. I've got a couple of Quest games. Quest for Glory, was that Sierra? Uh, I don't know. Uh, where's Nathaniel when you need him? And because Black Cauldron is Sierra, so... Oh, and the Sherlock Holmes text game, which I think I mentioned on a previous podcast, where, like, the manual is, like, 50 pages long, and it's its own story, and the game starts, like, um, at the end of the manual, so you're expected to read, like, the 50 pages... And then start the actual game. That's pretty cool, actually. It actually was kind of nice. But, you know, I started the game and didn't know that you were supposed to read the manual. So it's like, wait, who are these characters? What is going on? <laughs> well, that would be interesting to see game model-wise. You know, if there were more interactive things where you check in like every week or every two weeks for a bit of story. And then there's a bit of gameplay to incorporate into the game that you've already downloaded. And maybe... Mm. It would be episodic chapters, essentially, and you could buy them if you wanted to, or you wouldn't have to, but if you completed them, you get a special item. I don't know. Going back so to that, the whole like storybook idea. Yeah, That was sort of like the game that um, Jetty mentioned earlier, um, uh, Cause of Death, I believe. It's by mm-hmm. EA Games. They have another game on the same model, which is uh, High School or Surviving High School, where <laughs> every week they release... Every week or so, they release like a hour-long episode, a new episode, mm-hmm. and it's free for that one week. But when the next episode comes out, now you have to pay ninety-nine cents in order to get the old episode. Ah, and like Jetty said, that uh, I have to pay one hundred and twenty-five dollars <laughs> to get all of the content because this has been going on for years at this point. You think? Are you saying survival high school games are not worth one hundred and twenty-five dollars? <laughs> Surviving high school might be worth it, but um, cause of death, maybe not. I mean, you'd think they would just make like packages that are like, well, these are the first ten episodes. You can get that for yeah. You know, they do so, but I mean, you get like a one dollar oh, discount oh, oh boy. if you buy the package. Oh, well, they need to do humble bundles then, where you pay what you will, and uh, then they meet, at least make some money off of it, even if it's not the full yeah ten dollars or whatever video games yeah good times oh also i have putt putt goes to the moon which was fantastic oh oh to the moon <laughs> is, is it like to the moon no it's putt putt goes to the moon so it's literally putt putt the talking car travels to the moon where he has adventures it's not and that's sierra right no that's humongous entertainment oh, okay so that would be um what's his face who we were talking about did monkey island right I don't know. William Schaefer? I don't think William Shakespeare wrote Monkey Island, but I could be wrong on that. <laughs> yes. I think he wrote Isle of Monkeys, which uh, people often confuse. It's one of his um, early comedies, oh. just like the uh, Timon and so on. Like that? That's an English joke. I was able to name one of Shakespeare's early comedies off the top of my head. <laughs> Mad props for that. Okay, so Monkey Island is Ron Gilbert and Tim Schafer, and Tim Schafer is the one who made a bajillion dollars on Kickstarter. 
Okay, so here it is. Ron Gilbert went on for Humongous Entertainment, and then Tim Schafer went on to be the world-famous Kickstarter person who gets millions of dollars. Yeah. Okay, so that's the difference between two of them. But they both worked on Maniac Mansion, which I think I maintain is a horrible game, so... <laughs> I guess it's okay. I haven't been keeping up to date with this stuff. Oh, so, Kate, did you play the uh, Monkey Island games? Did you like those? I didn't. I didn't actually play them. I always wanted to. But I never got around to it, and I don't have a PS3, so I can't, like, buy them on the PS Network. I guess I could play them online somewhere. But I've heard good things about them, so... You haven't watched my video walkthrough of the demo for the first game, then. Is it really that bad? Uh, I don't know. I guess it was probably funnier back when it came out, because the first joke you have is a joke about a game which has nobody knows about anymore. Oh, well... But uh, towards the end of the demo, they actually got to a joke which actually made sense, which is that the lookout is near blind, which is funny, because you expect him to be good at seeing things. But he's not. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Okay, so... Try to gear back your uh, humor scale to adolescence and beyond. Loom. Okay, it's... Ba- Loom was the game they were making oh, all sorts of yeah. jokes about. My brother was has a big anybody, fan. Has anybody played that? I don't know anything about no. it. I didn't actually play it, but I remember my brother was like really a huge fan of it for some reason. I don't, like, Ooh, five and one fourth inch floppy disks. It was back... On six of them, yeah. Yeah, well, I was going to say it was back during the era that like <laughs> my brother and I didn't get along very well because I was like six and he was 11, so... <laughs> Uh, we didn't exactly like play games together and talk to each other. I don't know. You weren't his player too. No, uh, that's a shame. I was more the one sitting and like watching him play like Street Fighter and getting excited, and he would like tell me I was annoying because I was like, I don't know, I was sitting there going, oh, 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 and he was like, shut up, oh, I'm trying to play. <laughs> so. <laughs> so is is well, he you... going to be on the podcast now? He, actually, he lives out in San Francisco now. Oh. Well, I can force one of my relatives to stop by and, like, you know, throw stuff at his house. <laughs> yes, thank you. This was for not letting Jetty play Street Fighter. <laughs> he that on the side of, like, his house. Obviously, he lives in a mansion in San Francisco, right? Yeah, obviously. Actually, I do have a good story, which is uh, when Chrono Trigger came out, uh, a friend of his bought it. We didn't, like buy it or rent or anything but he borrowed it from a friend and i remember waking up at like 6 a.m on a saturday because i was like 12 or whatever or 10 i don't know and like seeing the game and starting it and being like well it's not mine so i'm not going to save and i literally got from like the beginning of the game all the way to like the part where you go to the future which is like uh-huh. a few hours into the game you know yeah and yeah then- it is <laughs> And I didn't save, I didn't die or anything, and I got there, and my brother got up and was like, you're not supposed to be playing that, it's my game, and he turned it off. (laughs) (laughs) I actually talked to him about this recently, and he doesn't even remember. (laughs) I remember because I played those hours. Well, did either of you ever play Zelda 2? Like oh, I... Adventure of Not on the NES. I have a gold cartridge edition of Zelda one but it has something else i got it at a garage sale so it has like the versbergen family name written on it so i'm like well 
it's a gold cartridge edition, but it has somebody else's name written on it. No, I bought it anyway. I uh, like I didn't play it like when it was new, but I did. Uh, since I didn't have a Nintendo 64 or PlayStation, I just went back and mm-hmm. played a whole bunch of like NES games around like 96 to 98, and that was one of the ones that I was like, dude, I actually like this Zelda game. Yeah, so you know how hard it is, though, right? Yeah. So I was playing it, and um, I've it's the only Zelda game that I've picked up and I've never been able to beat, and it's because <laughs> it's just Nintendo impossible. Yeah. And... Um, so I had gotten to, I think, not quite Ganon's Castle, but the one right before. And I had my NES on the floor, and my cat walked across it and just reset the whole thing. And it hadn't saved. And I had gotten all of my uh, extra lives, you know, like the two that you can get. Yeah. And I was like, no! <laughs> so that broke my spirit, and I've, I've never tried to play it again. It's just too hard. <laughs> That's harsh. It is. So sad. No, I definitely have memories of, like, the dog running in and, like, ripping. Like, I'm sitting across <laughs> the living room on the couch, and it just, like, rips the machine from the... Just, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, see, with me, it was my parents. So, uh, I mean, they would do that thing on purpose because they're not nice. Huh? Oh, well, no, hard. that happens with stuff. Even when mom just came by and visited me recently, it's like... I don't know if this is something that old people do, but they don't look down when they walk <laughs> across the floor. So if I've got, like, the DVD player remote on the floor, they will step on it without paying attention. Well, it just keeps you... Uh, it makes you keep your room nice and clean and everything up and out and organized. Maybe they do it on purpose for that reason. Like, oh, should have cleaned your room. <laughs> And that's why you always leave a note. But my room is clean. Oh, it's not my fault. I just don't know how to set up my Wii on my HD TV. Actually, I'm just sort of right now learning what HD is, but I don't have cable, so I don't have, like, can't watch things in HD, so it's sad. Video games. Yeah. All right, so no, no, no. Here, I'm looking up the stuff for, um, oh, gosh, wow, I've just forgotten the guy's name, Tim... Tim Schafer's fantastic um, Kickstarter. They wanted to raise four hundred thousand for the game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Three point four five million. And no, uh, what's his name? Stu Jip did a mid boss about it that was like, <laughs> I debated whether I should post it on the site or not. Have you guys? Very raunchy. Did yeah. you guys see it? No, but you can forward it to me later. <laughs> yeah, I'll post it in the chat so that you can take a look. Cause, uh... So they made, yeah, they made 8.6 times as much money as they needed to make this game, which just makes me wonder what they're doing with all the additional money. Well, I mean, I've heard uh, like they did like ramp up what they were doing uh, and what they wanted out of the game. Just that like they're ramping up was somewhat uncontrolled because they're like, whoa, we have all this money. And then they didn't realize that actually like what they were trying to do was still beyond that. And Yeah, well I think I don't know, the only thing like Wikipedia mentioned that they ramped up was the documentary about making the game. <laughs> so I'm like, that's not really ramping up the game. What I would do is I'd take the money and make four or five five games. Yeah. 
but that's just me. I'm I'm smart like that. <laughs> Maybe they're smart too, and not all of the money went directly into that one game. Well, has the game come out yet? No. Are they still working on it? I think this is pretty recent. The most no. recent, the most recent thing they did was um, they changed the name. That was the recent thing. <laughs> But the Kickstarter was February 2012, and the release date apparently is next January. I guess that's okay. a bit longer than I thought, but still. Tim Schafer reanalyzed the state of the project in July 2013, so that was about two months ago. And he realized that they were moving way too slow. He said, <laughs> oh, we won't finish the game until 2015. Schaefer recognized that they would run out of the money. If... Oh, okay, so I guess you're probably right, Jetty. They just decided we have infinite money, do whatever we want. <laughs> Wow, that's that's sad. Oh well. I think people would rather see like five games made by Mr. Kickstarter rather than just the one. Yeah. So he should do another Kickstarter so he could buy the rights to uh, <laughs> the island again. That's what I'm saying because I think that's the only reason people funded that game is because they love Monkey Island and they want to see him make the spiritual successor. Well, if he makes that much on a Kickstarter, he could probably afford or at least enough interest to say, hey, you know, look at all this money I raised to buy the Monkey Island thing. Maybe we should make a new game. Talk to me. Yeah. But he might want to well, produce the first game first. Nah, he doesn't need to do that. <laughs> wasn't, no, Monkey Island, they made, uh, Telltale took care of that and made the new Monkey Island series. Uh, I'm confused. I'm looking at this. Maybe people just really liked, um, you know, Sesame Street, Once Upon a Monster. <laughs> Maybe that's why. It has nothing to do with Monkey Island or uh, Day of the Tentacle, which is another one that Paul seems to like for some reason. Actually, that game wasn't that bad. I'll, I'll give it a three out of five. Three out of five. It pulls that adventure game trick where, like, one line of throwaway dialogue at the beginning of the game ends up becoming essential for a puzzle six hours later. Uh, and the that particular line of dialogue is that whenever Hoagie washes his car, it rains. And so what he has to do is go outside and pretend to wash a car to make it rain so Benjamin Franklin can fly a kite in the rain and discover electricity. Wow. Oh. So that's not just a throwaway line. That's also a throwaway line and remembering historical fiction about Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> That's tough. So that's that's why I docked points for my um, score of the game. <laughs> well, we've been uh, podcasting for about two hours. Should we start wrapping up? Yeah, we we didn't talk about the 2DS or anything relevant. I thought about doing that, but then like we had had such good conversations before. I don't think I can cut enough out to like get it down to a reasonable time. It's okay. We we talked about it on Facebook, right? I think everybody liked it or. Did your friends like it and mine hated it? I think that's how it worked, because I saw you posted about it too, Catherine. Um, it looks like people are sort of on the fence. Honestly, I just want to play the new Zelda game, but I don't want to do another. I'm going to buy one console and have one game, mm -hmm. which has been all of the Nintendo things for me so far. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Michael Ridgway got mad at you for not liking Phoenix Wright. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought to it, each we'll his own. I thought someone... When the new game comes out, we'll see what it's like. I'm still a little hesitant because, you know, like, the guy who wrote all the other games isn't writing this one. Hmm. 
sense. I, I really get the sense that it's more like a serious reboot rather than a serious continuation, but that's just me. It's been like six years since they made the last one. <laughs> I thought that somebody was just making a joke when I read someone say something about 2DS. I was like, haha, what? And then I saw like everyone else was up in arms about it. I was like, what is this? I don't know. I mean, I guess it makes sense for people who don't want the 3D aspect, but it's still a bit high for something that's essentially a DS, but it plays 3DS games. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, like, there are people who legitimately, like, can't handle, like, uh, neurologically or whatever the yeah. effect. Oh, is that my problem? But the thing is, you can turn off the 3D aspect, can't you? Oh, yeah, it still true. kind of hurts my eyes when I play the game not in 3D mode hmm. because of the 3D models with Professor Layton, but also because I'm playing the game with all the lights off in the dark. <laughs> so, my, uh, so my iPad screen can actually capture the game. Oh, yeah. And I have to turn the game to like the lowest bright- brightness setting. Interesting. Which is a problem because people said, well, if, the, if it's hurting your eyes, turn off the brightness. It's like, well, I've got it on the lowest brightness setting, but it's still... yeah. No, I had issues because I was trying to, like, film my TV screen in order to, like, take footage of my game. And it only liked it if I, like, changed a bunch of weird settings on my camera and then, like, had a bunch of backlighting and turned the TV to, like, the lowest setting or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It still didn't work. Really Same thing happened with my Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time walkthrough. I had to change the brightness settings on the TV because the, uh... The darkest dungeon was way too dark to see anything. Uh, the Shadow Temple. But I, I kept the video footage anyway because I had the gold edition of the game, which has a bunch of different stuff that they cut out of all the other versions of the game. Hmm. Like, the blood is red. Oh, yeah. The story is basically that Nintendo rushed it to the printers because the game was delayed for so long. Oh. And um, as they were rushing to the printers, they sent a copy off to the ESRB, and the ESRB came back saying, you have to change this, this, and this to make it an E-rated game. So they made all the changes, but they had already rushed all the gold copies off to um, printing. Mm. So the gold copy is the unedited version, and all the other versions after that were changed specifically to make it an an E-rated game. Wow. I just remember... uh the big deal with Mortal Kombat coming from arcade to Super Nintendo and they changed all the blood to, like, sweat or something. They just changed <laughs> the blood to be gray. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so in Zelda, nice. the blood was changed to green. So Ganondorf, when he's dying, he coughs up green blood. Okay. There's a green blood spray at the end of the game where you stab him in the head with a sword, which is Because really it's not intense. violent if it's green. No, it's not blood. Because nobody has green blood. That'd be silly. It, it's clearly like mana or something coming out. That was uh, <laughs> that was also why the Foot Clan were robots in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> is because you couldn't have violence with actual humans, but you could with robots. And I think that also applied if you've seen iRobot, the movie with Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I just remember they had like an incredibly violent... like. You're seeing the robot's skull get crushed under a car. And I think they only had that allowed because, well, even though it looks like a human, it's a robot. It's a robot. Yeah, so (laughs) it's not violent at all. 
<laughs> well, also with um, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, part of the reason they were able to keep that ending was because it was sort of cartoony in oh, a sense. yeah. So I, they were saying <laughs> if it's more realistic graphics, it gets a higher rating. And I think that's what happened with the remake. I think the remake is rated T, right? I think so, yeah. And that's not because they've changed the rating. It's because, well, now it's so realistic that stabbing the guy in the head, even though it's green blood, it's still way too violent. Too hardcore. And so immediately afterwards, they decided to make Cartoon Zelda. Yay. Oh, no, it's just 10 plus. Everyone 10 plus, uh, the 3D version. That's the rating. But I think this podcast is about wrapped up. So, uh... Everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, please make sure to visit our actual internet website, GameCola.net. Uh, visit us on YouTube if that's not what you're where you're watching this. Uh, GC.net on YouTube. If you're on Facebook, uh, like us, follow us on Twitter. We're at GameCola. What else is there? iTunes. Go to iTunes and subscribe if that's not. Send what us you're... emails. Yeah. Also send us emails. Uh, as you heard on this podcast, we read them on the podcast live. Uh, when we're recording it. But we will read your email because we don't really get a whole lot of them. <laughs> so, uh, can we, like, come up with emails we want people to send us? That could be interactive. Yeah. Uh, send us emails about Loom, okay? Yeah, tell us about Thank Loom. You. Was Loom a good game? Was my brother right in saying that it was really cool? Uh, was he right in, like, yelling at me for, like, being excited about him playing Street Fighter 2? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how 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 much were you um, interfering with him playing the game? He was sitting on a separate seat. I was sitting on the couch, like kind of like bouncing up and down and being like, oh 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 oh, because like it was like a really intense fight. I guess I don't really remember much. I just remember that he yelled at me and I had to leave. Well, I think what usually happens is that you know when that happens, you're supposed to like build off of the other person's excitement. So the cool older brother's like, hey, you think that's good? Check out this move. Whoa. That's, no, that's but what, like, like how much Nintendo rage is allowed? I, I, he he might have been losing, so maybe it was annoying. I don't even know. Like, probably, Okay, so we've decided that your brother is a loser <laughs> when it comes to Street Fighter. When it comes to Street Fighter, perhaps. I don't know. I think he beat the game, so... Oh, Eventually. those games can actually be beaten. The things I learned on the podcast. Yeah, video games. Yep. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for showing up to be here on the podcast. Thanks for You're having welcome. us. Yeah. Uh, so goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. And that was a podcast. Yeah, so what is PAX East? Because they've got a PAX East um, on the West Coast. She did. I guess she didn't know that we keep talking about random nonsense after the podcast. Oh, well. But no, there's a PAX East.